Hey, everyone. Welcome to another episode of What About Grief? I'm Larry Holm. Before we dive into the interview, I'd like to just briefly say thank you to all who have sent feedback in regard to the podcast. I really do appreciate it. These discussions have been helpful to me in my grief journey, and it is my hope that this podcast is helpful to you with your own grief journey. And a reminder that you can get in touch with us via email at whataboutgriefpod at gmail.com. We do enjoy hearing from you, our faithful listeners. Okay, enough business. Let's get to this month's guest. Doug Hoffpower and I met in college at Baylor University, where we were in the same fraternity. Sigma Chi, in case you were wondering. And earlier this year, we reconnected in person at a fraternity reunion weekend. I knew Doug had lost his 26-year-old son, Zach, back in 2020. And he was kind enough to reach out to me when my wife, Sarah, passed away in 2021. So, there we were, at a gathering bonded by a college fraternity, and yet, we were also members of another type of fraternity. One that nobody wants to be in. The one when a loved one passes away too early in their life. I reached out to Doug because he has an important story to share and he is very open about his son Zach's life and the hell Zach went through. But also I want Doug to share his grief story about losing his son Zach. So Doug, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Yeah, it's been a, it's been a little time since we've seen each other, but yeah, we are part of the uh, two different fraternities and, you know, kind of crazy thinking that that's where we are in life, but uh, it's good to get back together with you. Yep. Who would have thought during our college yeah. days, 30 some years later, here we are doing a podcast about grief, but I do appreciate you taking some time. Um, your son, Zach, had an incredible life, though it was cut off way too early. But give me a description of what Zach was like. What was his personality like? Paint a picture of Zach for our listeners. Um, he was definitely... I wouldn't call him crazy, but he he was fun. He's a lot of fun. Light up, light up the room when he walked in. Talked to everyone. Um, he really knew how to command a room, and it just not because he was trying to. It's just who he was, and you know he's pretty popular, obviously. But he didn't shy away from talking to anyone and everyone, especially in high school. I get stories all the time about him. You know, some person who considers himself average and Zach was the big guy around campus and he would talk to them in the hallways or in cafeteria. So, you know, Zach had a big heart. Um, mm. He was he was fun in our family. Everyone loved Zach and obviously it was fun to watch him grow up and and move into sports where he did. But um, yeah, so he, he was a great kid, good looking boy. Um, and yeah, definitely had a lot of qualities yeah, it seemed like it from from everything that I read. And you all lived in in Arizona, and 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 that's where he attended high school. And he was a three sport athlete in high school. And then after several scholarship offers from numerous colleges, Zach decides to attend Stanford University, and he begins playing baseball and football during the 2012 season. What made him choose Stanford over the other colleges? Everyone, <laughs> he, uh, if it really, if you really want to know, um, you know, he had committed to Cal and then we knew there were some issues there, but it came down to ASU and Stanford and he really wanted to go to ASU because he had a couple buddies here. One, one ended up in the NFL, but he really wanted to play 
hometown guy, you know, stay in Arizona. He was, he was a homebody as far as he loved Arizona. He loved family. Didn't really want to be up um, that far away in the Bay Area. But, you know, we just had a lot of people talking to us and advice and through baseball and football. Um, you know, they were like, hey, if Sanford offers, you got to take it. Mm-hmm. I mean, just the education alone. So the, the other uh, thing that ASU and Stanford and Cal would allow him to do is play two sports. So, you know, Stanford does it all the time. They've done it really well. Mm-hmm. And it kind of just fit in, you know. Um, like I said, I mean, to be honest, that wasn't his number one choice. But I think with the pressure on him to to go to Stanford, um, that's where he decided to go. And it, and it turned out really good for him. So Yeah, yeah, I mean... He was just shy of 140 tackles in high school and then secured 102 tackles on his own during his four seasons at Stanford, and I'm sure he was involved in numerous others. But it, it sounds like he was in pretty intense on the field as if making tackles and big plays was where he you know, got that adrenaline rush from. His, um, his teammate and very good friend at Stanford, Christian McCaffrey, who was a star running back at Stanford along uh, when Zach was there and currently plays for the San Francisco 49ers, for those of you who might not follow the NFL, um, said that, and I quote, uh, in regard to Zach, Zach was the hardest hitter, most aggressive player I ever played against. How would you describe him as a player and, and, and what drove Zach to that intensity? Um, I would agree. I mean, he used to he he used to put the the wood, as they say, on people. It was it was <laughs> looking back, it's kind of funny, but he yeah he put he was a hard tackler. He was just I mean he put fear in people's. You could see it in their eyes. You could see him when they're on the field um, when they're trying to catch a ball, and that was in high school. College is a little bit different, but he still was a hard hitter. Um, he's very good at covering, but he's a really really good tackler and. You know, being that kind of, um, that's that's the game he played. You know, he, he got some concussions through it. But, you know, he was one of those guys that he'd be the guy dancing on the sideline before the game. He'd be the guy getting everyone involved. I mean, it's kind of crazy seeing him with the DBs and he'd be in, the, in a circle and he'd be the guy leading them before the game and doing their dances and whatever <laughs> it was. And Zach was usually pretty... On the field, he he was pretty light as far as you know, trying to make people laugh on both sides of the ball. But when it came down to having to do his job, he did it. He uh, one thing I remember he, him talking about: we were in Washington playing University of Washington at their new stadium, and it's super loud. It's kind of like the Seahawks Stadium, mm. and you got eighty thousand people booing Stanford. And one of his buddies came up to me after and just said, "Hey, man, did you hear what Zach said?" And I'm like, "No." He's like, "Well." He he stopped us in a when, when they were in a huddle, and he's like, "Hey man, you guys, you guys hear that?" And they're like, "What?" Because eighty thousand people booing us. I mean, how great is this? You know, like <laughs> this is something where Zach just he thrived on it. He he loved that that stage. So yeah, yeah, it, it was fun. Christian and him were really good friends, and um, but they had some really good teams when Zach played there. Good coaches, and yeah. so we were we were blessed to be there. Yeah, that's awesome. So he's, he's, you know, a few years under his belt at Stanford. And, and in 2015, during the Major League Baseball draft, he's selected by the Arizona Diamondbacks, decides to leave Stanford and, and play in the minor leagues. Um, he, he plays for one season, but he returns in 2016 to Stanford and, and gets his old position back with the football team and, and, and ultimately has a, a medical 
retirement. What what happened with that? Did he play in 2016 and then had to to stop playing? What is what was the medical retirement? Too many concussions? Yeah, too many concussions. I mean, if you look at him, the reason um the reason he left in 2015 cuz I think he would have, I mean, talking to guys, he would have had a good outlook in the at the next level or at least a shot at it, I think, but mm. He was he was struggling. He had he had a ton of anxiety, a ton of depression. Uh, you know, taking phone calls all the time and trying to figure it out because, uh, you know, Zach was Zach was super humble, and I don't mean this to come come out like it might sound, but like he was a big deal. I mean, he his sophomore year in baseball, um, he was a top two hitter. Uh, you know, and this is a kid coming from football. You know, usually we, we went to two Rose Bowls in a row and, and you have three weeks to get ready while well, the rest of the team's been hitting for the fall and stuff. But um, he just had a lot of pressure on him. And, you know, he had a great year, sophomore year then, same junior year when he was playing football and baseball. And he just was, he was worn out. You know, there were, to be honest, about a month before the end of baseball season, that year before he got drafted, he he called me and we talked. He's like, Dad, I don't know if I can keep doing this. You know, I just, I don't know what's wrong with me. You know, and here I'm thinking like, Zach, how can, I mean, you're, the campus is gorgeous. You're doing great in school. You're doing great in sports. You got, you know, lots of friends. And it's something I didn't understand because I'd never had depression or anxiety. And so um, he basically said, Dad, I don't, I don't care about the money. I, I need to go. I need mm. to have a break. And so Diamondbacks offered him. He took it and went into uh, went up to Montana with another local kid here, and I get a call from him about a week later, and he said, "Dad, I'm at peace." Wow. Yeah, getting <laughs> out of the limelight and the pressure. Right, and he in it's Montana, and we fly fish, and he loves mm. you know he's grown up in the outdoors or the beach and in Mexico, but it was great. But he did so well that he and his buddy got moved up right away to Portland three weeks later. And, you know, I never really got to enjoy that season. And, you know, what people didn't understand is he, he was all the time doing something. It was either football, football meetings, you know, or baseball and all of that. His, he hardly had any time off during the year, maybe two weeks, mm -hmm. you know, cause you get to Christmas, he'd come home for a day and a half gone come home, he gets a week and he's into baseball. And then he might get a week in the summer, maybe a week and a half. And so he was worn out. And that's kind of, I mean, that's kind of where he ended up with baseball. And, you know, then he, he ended up missing baseball or football so much that, you know, he's like, I, I got to get back to football. I, I want to use my last year up. Gotcha. And he played, but then he had to retire midway through the season or at the end of the season? Yeah, so what happened was he... You know, and that's not the easiest thing to do to come back after a year off and then you've got different people in different positions and, you know, he, he won a spot back. He was mostly playing nickel, but he played safety too. And um, yeah, I had a, he was having a really good year and I could tell he was a little different than he was before he left. And that's the first spring game I went to that, that year before he went back and I had never been to spring because he's always playing baseball. And I could notice, I noticed he was a little rusty, but something different. Zach was one of those guys that played, he knew where the ball was going to be, so that made him really quick, and he was fast. But my point is, I don't know, I don't know if it was physically um, some issues that he was having. I think mentally he was fine, but I could tell there's a difference. But he ended up getting another couple concussions. He 
Mm. It was Zach. Most of his concussions were a knee to the to the helmet. So when you're going down on guys like that, you're 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 tackling low. You're going to get a knee to the helmet, and it's going to give you a concussion. Didn't happen a lot, but he he had a couple his junior year. He had a cu- couple his um, his senior year when we went back 2016. And I think he had more in, in high school that I didn't know about. Yeah, and yeah, so that's kind of where he ended up. Um, I think it was the Oregon game he missed, and he got back in a couple games later, and we were at Cal. And I'm looking around, we're at the game, and I, I turn around, he's gone right before half, and I, I walk away all the way around the stadium and ask the guys where he is yelling down there, and they're like his head. And So yeah, so he didn't get to play in the bowl game. He talked to Coach Shaw, he talked to a bunch of people, and they just said, hey man, if I were you, it's not worth it to play. And then, yeah, then he had to medically retire just because, you know, too many concussions. Yeah, that must have been devastating, no doubt. Um, oh, Yeah. So he graduates from Stanford. Uh, his sounds like because of the concussions, the door is kind of closing on on playing sports. He moves back to Arizona and he he moves in with you. And, and noticeable changes are going on in his everyday life. It, it, he's not sleeping, and personality traits weren't normal. He mentioned to you that his head didn't feel right. What was that troubling period like? How did you feel as a parent seeing your son, Zach, like this? Well, it's, it wasn't fun. And it was like, I'm sure, same with you, Larry, and your wife. I mean, you have no control. You can't help them. Mm-hmm. You, can't, you can't take chemo for your wife. You can't, you know, I couldn't make Zach's brain and head feel better. I couldn't. I couldn't tell him how to think. I mean, it's it's a hopeless feeling and you try anything and everything. Whether it was, you know, going to get IVs every other day at $300 a pop or, you know, sending them here, sending them there and it was hard cuz he changed a lot and he got super depressed and um he even had a couple bouts of OCD that I've never experienced before, you know, almost like a broken record and it was scary. You know, and and to be honest, um, which he would tell you if he was here, he had a DUI. Hmm. That's that's when it really got bad. And I was on the phone with him, and um, ended up getting a call about it an hour later. Thank God he didn't hurt anyone, didn't right. get in a wreck, but he got pulled over. And um, and you know, to even before he died, he was like, "That's the best thing that ever happened to me." I mean, he was he was glad that happened in the sense of kind of put him. Uh, made him think about life and and all that was going on with him. But he he had a lot of struggles. I mean, here I am, and I'm I'm taking him over. Probably not something in in, in that we we were going to talk about. But I just remember taking him to court and doing all these things, and he had to spend the night in jail for um, forty eight hours or something. Yeah, I think it was forty eight hours. Anyways, and then he had to take all the classes. And here I am taking my son, but I'm sitting there to take him to the county jail here and I'm standing in front of these this door hmm. and I'm looking at it like really yeah this is where we are yeah you know before I'm looking at the rose bowl or I'm 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 looking at my son playing on the field or in baseball is super regional whatever it is all these things and here I am and it just kind of just showed you like wow this none of that really matters what matters is you know Zach and his health and so yeah, it was a it was a really really long road, and he struggled a lot. And there's there were times I didn't even know what to do, you yeah. know. And I I remember him in his room, and I would walk by his room every day and 
get on my knees and pray for him. And that's really all I could do. Yeah, I can imagine. It, it had to be so frustrating to be on the other side. Um, yeah. And then in, in 2019, Zach attempts suicide by overdosing on and Xanax and, and Benadryl. Describe what you know that might have led up to him deciding that the answer to his problems was trying to take his life. Well, I just think he got into such a deep depression. Um, he didn't know, you know, so he got, got uh, meningitis. Here, here's all these meds, take it, you'll be fine. Mm -hmm. He got, he ended up finding out he got Lyme disease right after this, this uh, attempt and he was in a really bad state right then i mean i i he wasn't a, he wasn't a zombie but my point is like he was unrecognizable he was like, it sounds like yeah yes and he was in his room a lot and just i i couldn't and actually at that time i was going through a divorce and, and i was staying with my parents and i mean you could imagine you know we all sat there and just was like you know you look at each other and there was a lot of crying going on and, you know, there were other things going on, but that night, you know, um, when that happened the next morning, I took him to go get an IV. It's therapy. And we were listening to, you know, a song on the radio, Christian song and sobbing. Both of us. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, I remember looking at him and he said, dad, I didn't, I didn't really want to die. That's, I, I just don't know what to do. You know, everyone keeps telling me, hey, take this and do this. And these, these will help, this will help you. This will help you. And nothing's helping me, dad. I'm, it's like hopeless. Hmm. And, you know, he's just, for him, for him to say that meant a lot to me. Like, hey, that's not really what I wanted to do. He said, actually, when he took the, the Benadryl, he tried to throw up and he couldn't. And he said, I laid down thinking, wow, this is not what I want. I don't want to die this way. So that, that kind of, set up the whole conversation with Christian McCaffrey because Zach was pretty close to him and they were talking and Christian's been trying to get him to a doctor in Denver. And uh turns out, you know, Christian answered me right away. Get him out here. Um, Christian did a lot. I mean, dropped everything um, and got Zach out there. And then he was diagnosed with Lyme disease. We had to wait a month, but it was good for Zach because he finally went, oh, okay, there, maybe this will help. Some maybe answers. Yes, this is, makes sense because if you look at Lyme disease, it's the same as meningitis, same as CTE. It's all brain-related. And so, same thing. He gets on this. You can't even believe the amount of stuff he had to take, that poor kid. And he was after it for about three or four months hmm. and nothing was helping. And so, you know, you just, you kind of get to a point where you're like, man, what, what am I going to do? I remember him talking about his head all the time. Like, dad, there's something wrong. I, I don't know what it is, but there's something wrong with my head. Um, and so that's kind of where we found ourselves, you know, struggling with that period. It, it was, it was a hard time. Yeah. And then uh, this is even just hard for me to ask, but fast forward to, to 2020 on the night of May 14th, Zach takes a Percocet to help him get some sleep. But what he didn't know was that that pill was laced with fentanyl and the next morning on May 15th, you're out fly fishing early in the morning and you return home and you go into Zach's room and you find him there and, and he's dead. I can't even imagine what that was like for you. What went 
what went through your mind? What was your immediate reaction? Well, like before that, you know, he had he had just gotten a job with Ed McCaffrey at Northern Colorado, and he was he 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 seemed to be in really like, Dad, this is great. He was there for about two months. COVID hit, comes back, and um, you know things changed. I mean, he was he was better, but he was still struggling. Yeah. But the difference was he had something to live for. Like he had the video meetings in the morning with the coaches and then he would talk to the kids through video because with COVID you were shut down. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that that morning he was going to go fishing with my dad and I and I woke up at 3.15 to get ready and leave and he comes out about 3.30 and just hugs me and says, Dad, man, I'm sorry. I haven't been sleeping and I can't go. I got too much going on. I got the videos and I'm, I'm tired, but I can't sleep. And he goes, I'd love to go with you and Papa and I said, don't worry about it, Zach. It's okay. And I, I hugged him and I said, I love you. And he said, I love you, Dad. And mm. that was it. I came came home, um, took a nap, which I normally don't do. And I jumped out of bed around 1.15, jumped straight up, knew something was up. Yeah. Don't know why, but I just, I mean, it was dead sleep to on my feet, walk out of the room and I look at its door and I had placed a duffel bag there and it was still there. And I I just got a sick feeling, opened the door and, you know, stupid rental house, little little room he's in. And there he was. He was laying back on his bed against his pillow, had one hand behind his, his head like he normally does. His other hand had his phone in his hand and it was resting mm -hmm. on his chin. And when I opened the door, obviously I noticed something was wrong and went in there. And sure enough, you know, um, my wife Stephanie was there and, she was in a different room and I was, I was shocked. Yeah. And I walked up to him and I stared at him for a while and I grabbed his arm and I just, I mean, what do you say? Right. What do you say? And so Stephanie came in and, you know, and then, then the, the whole spiral, you have to call this person and that person. And, um, I, I had to call my daughter. She called my ex-wife and got, had to call friends and I called, his two best friends in the world, Christian McCaffrey and and another local kid here, Bo Kitson, and had to listen to them and us sob on the phone. Christian was a mess. I mean, it was it was a big deal. It was not fun. Yeah. And that's that's one of those pictures you just you can't get rid of. I mean, obviously Hillary didn't get to see him and, and Shannon didn't see him and we wouldn't let him, but that's that's not a fun thing yeah. to walk in and then have that picture in your mind. The last thing you get to see your son, I'm, you know, I I can't even imagine. It's got to be the hardest thing that you'll ever go through. Rumors were that maybe Zach had overdosed, but I, I feel like from what I understand, you didn't believe that, and eventually you donated his brain to the Unite Brain Bank in in Boston. That focuses in on traumatic brain injuries and, and CTE, which is chronic traumatic encephalopathy, um, which uh, at this bank in Boston, a lot of NFL players donate their brain to for CTE study. What was their diagnosis uh, on Zach's brain? Yeah, that was kind of a strange call to get the day after he died. And they said, hey, we've been, we follow Zach. He's on, you know, 
again, I hate sounding like, I don't want to sound like I'm arrogant at all. I mean, yeah. but his name goes across the ESPN thing about his death. And yeah. so they reach out and they, I said, yeah, sure. I mean, what do you do? And so, um, in tech, what's, what's crazy is for a while he would hashtag CTE and hmm. so he, they get he his thought brain. he knew it, huh? Oh, oh yeah, he told he me. He had it. Yeah. Yeah. He used to say my head, something wrong. He goes, Dad, I, I have CTE. And I'm like, Jeez. okay, Zach, you know, like how, you know, but sure enough, we give him, we donate the brain. They fly it across the country. Um, we had to wait a full year. And yeah. so at, almost to the date of his death, and I get a, a call from them and they're like, hey, you know, so we get on a Zoom and same thing. Here's what she says He's got lesions all over his brain, uh. stage two. So, for people that are following the NFL, Junior Seau had stage two, and he he oh committed God. suicide. Yeah, um, just to to say, hey, he had the same stage. He had lesions all over his brain. It sounds weird, but the the piece that came over me was like, wow. So we have an answer. Yeah, like we know why he went through all this, and when you get when you're a part of this group. And you see, they're probably up to 400 people now in there, maybe more. And you see the progression of CTE in NFL, soccer, it doesn't matter, hockey. Um, but you see the progression of these people's lives all the same. Yeah. I mean, and it doesn't go downhill and then you start climbing up and you're fine. It's downhill, downhill, downhill to where you, you're just trying to breathe air and, and be a normal person. But you know, looking back, I don't, I don't think Zach would have ever been the same Zach we we would have known. I mean, and like my daughter said, whatever this sounds like, but thank God Zach left when he did with the reputation he did, and he didn't hurt someone. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of things, but but that did give me a lot of peace, understanding. Hey, this is why he struggled through all that stuff. And if you think about concussions in high school, and then he had him at, at Stanford. I mean, it all makes sense. And I was watching all these little changes and I could tell, I looked back and went, man, that book, no wonder. I see, you know, it's like a book was written out and it all made sense. Yeah. So we were thankful for that, for sure. Yeah. Let's kind of transfer into your story now and, and the life after Zach and, and what you have and are going through. You know, I know for me, no doubt, I wish Sarah was still alive, um, but I know that's not the reality. And that still, on a regular basis, can hit me hard. Have you been able to wrap your head around the reality that Zach really is gone? And, and if so, how? It's probably like you. Um, you know, people are like, oh, I can't imagine, you know, losing a son. It's different than, and it is. But losing Sarah, I mean, losing your wife, losing someone that you sleep in the same bed with every day and you wake up and you, you live and love life together. Right. It's just, it's just a little different. It's not the same, but it's the same grief. It's the same stuff. And, you know, with Zach, it's the same thing. I, I, it took me a while. Like some days I'm like, gosh, I cannot believe he's seriously gone. Yeah. You know, we have all these things. He has all these, again, take it for what it's worth, but he has all these great rings and crap like that, you know, stuff that he could care less about. Hmm. They're all in a box, Rose Bowl rings, all that. Hmm. Doesn't care. Yeah. I'm, I do. As a dad, I did because I thought it was pretty cool. Yeah, and you're proud he of him. He didn't care. Yeah. 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 You know, and he never wore, he hardly wore Stanford, nothing. He, that's not who he was, <laughs> but yeah. all that crap's here. 
his clothes are still here. He, he left everything. And that's when you start to realize, wow, he's not here. We're in a different house than when, um, when he was alive. So I, his room's not really his room, but it is because I, I have some of his helmets and jerseys and you know baseball bats and stuff out. And that's kind of how I deal with it. I, and they're not everyone's the same. Um, his, his mom's not the same as me, but I, I tend to, if I walk by something and I see it and I embrace it, and I'm like, that was Zach, you know, hey, or a picture even from his, his funeral. Like, what was crazy about his funeral is in the midst of COVID, May 30, I think it was 30th, we had it. We had 3,000 people there. Oh Everyone's gosh. wearing masks. It, it was crazy. Wow. And I think I hugged probably 2,500 of them <laughs> and never got COVID. But, but in the sense of like, it was pretty, pretty amazing, the turnout, and that we were able to have, um, have that ceremony. I mean, yeah. it, was a, it was a celebration of life. And I don't know about Sarah. I don't know how you guys dealt with that. But th these poor people that went through COVID and couldn't have funerals or, or um, anything to celebrate their loved one that they lost, I could not imagine. Yeah. And I'm thankful that I had that chance. And, you know, so I, I wear exact clothes. Mm. I can wear some of his stuff. I... Um, what's crazy, people think I'm weird, but I never, I never knew all these things like, you know, stuff that happens and numbers that pop up. He was a, he was 10, you know, 31 in high school. He was eight in baseball. And all of a sudden these numbers, maybe they did before, but they pop up everywhere, you know, especially at restaurants. Mm -hmm. And now at my local coffee shop and my no local restaurant I go to all the time, uh, they see me walk in, they hand me number 10 on, you know, <laughs> when you order your food mm -hmm. and they just know, they you just know, because we, yeah, it gives me a chance to talk to people. And it's actually opened a lot of doors. And so I embrace Zach and I embrace that. I mean, there are times, trust me, um, don't tell anyone, but you know, <laughs> I've got Taylor Swift on and the window's down and uh, I'll start crying. But no, it is funny because I, music has always been something that's really hit me hard. And there are times where, you know, I, when you and I were in school at Baylor, I used to, my stress level, I would go get in my car in the middle of the night, 11 o'clock and windows down and play music. And so I still do that and play music that Zach liked. And yeah. sometimes I look down at my phone, no lie, and it's calling Zach. Mm. And I'm like, okay, I'm gonna listen to what it has to say. You know, maybe, who not, joking around, but right. hey, maybe someday he'll answer. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, stuff like that. I don't, I don't shy away from it, but people are all different. Yeah. I just think that, hey, celebrate. My, my personal opinion is, don't be afraid to talk about your loved one. Yeah. You know, like, don't, don't be afraid to talk to Sarah, to people, because you know how it is. People walk up to you and it's awkward and I just Bro, bring yeah. it up. Yeah. No. And then you, she's my yeah. number one topic. I love talking about it. Yeah. Why? Why, it, why should I not? You should. You're right. And um, you know, same thing with Zach. Is just for me. I'm like, hey, I'll talk about him. And people don't get. You know, sometimes I'll apologize to my family. Like, no. And people want to hear that. Yeah. They want to know you're okay. They want to know, you know, about. Say they didn't even know your wife. Right. Um. What a great way to honor them. What a great way to keep their their memory. And that's the thing that I struggle with the most is are people going to remember Zach 10 years from now? Yeah. I don't know. You know, does, do too many people remember John Wayne in the sense of, you know what I mean? Right. My point is life is short, but for me, it is important to to still talk about Zach and and have people remember him. And, and you know, his birthdays and stuff. The Davis, uh, when he died, you know, we do certain things like we go to Chili's. He loved Chili's. I'd go to, <laughs> I'd drive to Stanford every other weekend and baseball, football, whatever it was. And hey, let's go to a great restaurant. We're in Palo Alto. He's like, let's go to Chili's. I'm like, seriously, Zach. <laughs> so every weekend, 
So we now it's funny we just did it, but we we go to Chili's and order the trio or whatever it is, the triple one. <laughs> um, you know, that's our our just going out and having a good time that's and honor Zach and, and yeah, it's Brings a lot you of close fun. To him. So, yeah, yep, sure does. Well, on a much lighter note, at, at Sarah's funeral, it was during COVID. People wore masks. I hugged everybody, and I didn't get COVID either. So there, <laughs> there's another thing that you and I are bonded by. I really thought I was going to, like, you know, get COVID and be down for two weeks. But nobody that I know of the 300 or so that were at Sarah's funeral got COVID. So I don't that, know. That's a that's so funny. And, you know, I, I'm the same way. Like, I, don't, I didn't hear of anyone. And actually, to tell you the truth, I bet you... I bet you 95% of the people weren't wearing masks. And <laughs> it was just one of those deals like, hey, you know, if it's going to happen, it's going to happen. Exactly. But, Might yeah. be worth but it I'm to so, celebrate yeah, I'm it. So, yeah. so thankful you got that chance because, yeah. you know, there were people in hospitals dying all over and no one could even talk to them. Right. So, yeah. yeah. Sarah had to watch her father's funeral um, in, in 2020 from our laptop at home. You know, because she couldn't fly, you know, uh, due to her cancer and with COVID and everything. Wow. Um, what kind of advice would you share for others who have lost their children at a at a young age? Um, kind of the same thing. Just my my parents were a little different. We have a family business, but. You know, we weren't someone that, hey, let's save up and, and you know, hold $10 million in the, in the bank. Not that we would have had that. But my point is, we did, we did things. We made memories. Um, and so, because of that, we were able to use those memories in places that we've gone, whether it's Mexico or the mountains or whatever, and remember Zach and remember the good times. And um, so it's it's hard. I mean, to lose a child, it's hard, and and to talk to people is a huge thing. Yeah. I I don't tell too many people this, but two of my best friends from high school, one from church, one from high school, um, one lost his son in 2017 to suicide, and one just lost him last year to suicide. Mm. And the chances of me being around two other guys that were like literally best friends, kind of weird. I mean. Yeah. I don't know what the the odds are, but guess what? We have something in common, and we talk about it, and we bring it up, and we celebrate each other's kids and their birthdays and whatever it is. And that's what I think. And I'm not—I don't know. You could tell me how you you dealt with Sarah, but I think getting together with people and talking about it—I mean, look at your podcast, right? And this is what I think: people get so afraid to talk about it. And and Zach died. He didn't. I don't mean to sound this way either, but he died. He didn't pass away. He died, and so. Death is, to me, I'm like, just put it out there. This yeah. is what it is. And it's hard to deal with, but with the help of others. And obviously, my Christian walk, too. I mean, I I know where Zach is. I'm not worried about it. I know he probably wouldn't want to come back here and struggle like he did before. Right. And so, you know, getting around people and other people that have done the same thing and gone through the same thing, I just think it's wise for people, instead of hiding from it, is just embrace it. Talk to people. Talk to other people that have gone through it. Yeah, I, I I totally agree. I'm I'm here to help people, whether it's on the podcast or somebody at work who just comes up to me. We we have experienced something, and I feel like we need to help when we can. You know. Yeah, I don't. I honestly, I look. I thought about you um, when we talked a year ago, and I just go, man. You know, I love my wife, and I just can't imagine. I can't imagine waking up and not having her there. Yeah. So, you know, I don't know how you got through it, or but I. Day by day, um, moment by yeah. moment is as you yeah. probably you know moment by moment. Yeah, 
I, I think in, in dealing with grief and loss, there are always regrets. Um, do you have any? Um, I've thought about this a lot, and I don't have one regret, but most everything was Zach. Um, I, I'm so thankful. I mean, the, God allowed me to have a job that I could take off. And I mean, from the time my kids, Hillary too, I, I, I talk about Hillary's, she might've been a better athlete than Zach. I always joked around with him, <laughs> but um, I, got to, I got to follow my kids around. I got to watch them play in high school and club and, you know, in college. And, you know, so thankful that I got to spend all those times. And we, as families, we went to, we'd go to Mexico on, on week trips and we'd go to the Colorado all the time. We'd go fishing. We'd, we'd make so many memories. So I'm so thankful for that. Mm -hmm. I, I have all those memories to remember my son from, but the only regret and on a lighter side is when we, when we were, when we finally moved out of my parents' house, we were in a, you know, I got married. We, we rented a house and it was super small. And I think Zach's room was probably five by five. It was a little bigger, but his bed was probably two by two. But anyways, it was funny that, you know, we live in Arizona. It's summertime and it's super hot in there. And our electric bill was $500 in a 1,500 square foot house. And I'm like, we, we had this fight on the AC all the time. Like, dude, you can't like <laughs> put it back and he'd, he'd change it. And, <laughs> and that poor kid, he'd be sweating. And I look back and I'm like, that, I don't care if it costs a thousand dollars a month. I should have just turned the freaking. And what's funny is we moved out and and um, I was renting it from a buddy of mine, and he ended up replacing that AC because it was bad. He said that thing was running all the time. Too and I'm funny. like, really? So, yeah. but anyways, that's really honestly the only regret I have. I don't have yeah. any regrets. I I think like I've always said, Zach's days were numbered. Doesn't matter what I could have done, yeah. um, what anyone else could have done for Zach. Those were his times. He lived a short life, but man, he lived a lot more life than I did. And yeah. in my 55 years. So yeah, no regrets on that. Just the AC. That's it. <laughs> I'll think of you every time now. I'm, I'm playing around <laughs> with my air conditioning. There you go. Um, let me wrap it up with this because I'm, I'm always interested when I interview people on what they do on the, the day of their loved one's death. How do they celebrate, might not be the right word, but how do they remember um, and what do they do on the day of their loved ones passing. So on May 15th, every year, um, the day Zach passed away, what what do you do? We still do the chilies thing, but the other thing we do, um, I hope it doesn't sound selfish, but I, I post something. And it is selfish in the sense of it helps me because I post it and I see all these people saying things and, oh, I let you know, I'm sorry, but that's cool. And that, that helps me. And that just brings back the memories. Okay, Zach was such a huge influence on so many people. Larry, I don't, I can't, I, I'm going to say probably 30 different people that reached out to me that I, half of them, I didn't even, well, more than half, I didn't even know who they were. <laughs> and they were like, man, Zach, he coached me and da, 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 da. Or he, Zach got me through the worst time of my life. Zach got me through suicide attempts. Zach got me through, Zach got me through, Zach got me through. And I, over and over again, people, I don't even know who they are. Yeah. And they were reaching out to me. One kid at Northern Colorado, Zach was with for two months. This kid <laughs> and I talk all the time. <laughs> and he was a kid that, that Zach brought in and um, to his office and talked to him about life and said, forget about football right now. Let's talk about life. There was coaching changes going on. And this kid was kind of in the middle of everything. And, and, and he tells me to this day, he's like, Zach believed in me. Mm. He believed in who I was as a person. He believed in who I was as a, as a football player, but 
Zach took the time to to spend that time with me and talk to me and get to know me and not just be that coach that's X and O's. And so for me, I mean, in a selfish way, that's, I'd look forward to that every year. I, I, I post something, whatever his birthday, you know, uh, it's either his birthday or the day that he died. Mm-hmm. And such great things that people say. I, and, I do and, that too. And I, it, it it's good for me. It's healing for me. And I think, oh, people are going to be tired of seeing these remembrances of Sarah's birthday or her passing. But you know what? It, it, it To your point, it's the exact opposite. People loved Sarah. They loved Zach. And they're still in their lives. And these little reminders once or twice a year is, is therapeutic for us all, I think. Well, and, and for you, I, I wish I would have known your, your wife. And I know you probably hear that a lot. I hear it a lot about Zach. And, sure. And and guess what? Sad to say, but if 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 she didn't die, if Zach didn't die, would I have known much about her? Would I would you know much about Zach? Probably right. not. Yeah. So there there is a bright side to all of this. Mm-hmm. Death is is horrible. It hurts us. It's crazy how everyone left on earth has to deal with this. We are here for a short time, all of us. So but it, it's something we have to get through and you know, I do appreciate you reaching out to me and I do appreciate you letting me say what I need to say. And and this helps me too. And I'm sure, like I said, talking about Sarah for you, I'm sure it, it helps you too. And I do yep. appreciate you reaching out. Yep. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. And I, I do thank you for taking the time to share your story about Zach. He was a beautiful soul um, that really had an influence on so many people in so many different walks of life. And I thank you for being so honest and open about your part of it and, and Zach's story. And I, I do hope that if there's anyone listening, you know, who is a parent and going through something similar, that hearing your story uh, is helpful or, or, or offers them some, some comfort. So thank you, Doug. Oh, no problem. I appreciate it. And, uh, you know, just... Just think of Zach dancing around. He's still on the internet if you want to look. So um, I appreciate it, Larry, and I, I do appreciate your friendship, and thanks for having me on. We'll see you at the next reunion. All right. All right. Thank Take you. care. Thanks. All right, bye. My thanks to Doug Hoffpower. What About Grief is available monthly on all major podcast listening platforms. Please follow the podcast as well as rate and review the show on Apple Podcast. The executive producer of What About Grief is Marsha Anderson. Logo artwork was designed by Ted Studios. This episode was recorded at BAM Studios in Chicago. And lastly, feel free to email us at whataboutgriefpod at gmail.com. <laughs>